That's that's what the numbers I've got here. So it's really it's quite a confronting statistic. It so is. there was twelve thousand three hundred forty three women recruited in Africa, and three percent chance of dying if you were recruited into the women's study. Mm. Like that's massive. Three hundred seventy five women died, yeah. and out of the the women recruited in Asia, there was six thousand recruited. There was one hundred and five died. It was and but it was about one one point seven percent, right? And there was 1,687 women recruited in the UK. How many died? Zero. Zero. Testing. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We're not testing. This is for this is for real, Graham. This is for real. Yeah. Um, it's been a two months. Actually, it's been a bit more than two months since we recorded something. So I feel, Paul, I feel um, like we've been leaning the side down, especially ourselves. But anyway, we've we've managed to get together again. We're going to do another podcast. So welcome back, everyone. Um, what's been happening, Graham? So it's February, twenty twenty one. There's a lot been. Ta- there has been a lot <laughs> been happening. It is the yeah. season of Lent. My uh, three daughters—they've all decided to become vegans for forty odd days. <clears throat> That's interesting. Yep. That's good. Mm. Um, that'll be tough. I reckon I could be vegetarian, but um, I have trouble giving up dairy and um, eggs. Mm, I have purchased some Multifer tablets for them all. <laughs> <laughs> Constipation might be an issue. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Not with all that celery. <laughs> Lockdown. So, I've re- uh, so what's happened since uh, we last talked? Yeah, Perth had one one uh, person who wanted who drove around uh, with COVID, but no one got it. Interesting. We're all, isn't we're it? all locked down. We had to wear masks, which um, was a good experience for everyone. I think gave us uh, a bit of a heads up that the world is still in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. Um, any interesting cases? I had a woman, oh. a pregnant woman, with a potassium of one point seven. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. Did she have high premises gravidarum? No. So it's not she had sh- a kidney problem? I'm not renal? sure. I'm not sure. I'll have, to, I'll have to follow up on that. Loss, right. Um, so that was last week, and uh, uh, I haven't been back at the hospital since then. Well, I've been at working elsewhere. Yeah. You know, I've got a new job working at uh, another hospital in the city. Yep. And uh, <laughs> a colleague was telling me about a patient who was admitted there having tried to <coughs> break into a furniture factory. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if this is a joke or not. <laughs> I yeah. think it is. He's the guy was up on the roof and he um, fell through the roof onto an upholstery machine. <sighs> yep. What's yeah. the punchline? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when he went back to see him the next day, he was fully recovered. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was reading a medical text the other day. Did you know that diarrhoea is hereditary? Yeah. I believe it runs in your it genes. Runs in your- <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Okay. And the other thing, so you diagnosed someone with peripartum cardiomyopathy, didn't you? I they came well, in with sets of 80% or oh, really pregnant woman with sets of 80%? Look, I really don't know. Um, I th- she had a dilated. Uh, well, she had a dilated. Left ventricle. She looked which like. Which wasn't pumping well. And she was, was not hypoxic. pumping well. She was hypoxic and she had um, mitral valve disease, almost certainly rheumatic in origin. So. I don't know where the chicken and the egg was there. Cardiomyopathy. Yeah, it was cardi- It was peripartum cardiomyopathy. She, she yes. had mm. what is known in the medical textbooks with using the official Latin 
nomenclature as a dicky ticker. She's a dicky ticker. <laughs> wasn't working properly. Yeah, it wasn't. And she was pregnant, so mm. there you go. Yep. Um, and we had an abruption the other uh, the other week as well with um, basically almost no fibrinogen when we checked on the rotum, even though she didn't look like she should be that bad. She ended up bleeding quite a lot, but when she first came in, she still looked fairly okay, like she'd bleed a bit, but was, wasn't hemodynamically unstable. So that was quite a reminder that beware, beware um, profound coagulopathy and abruptions. Did you ultimately treat her with um, mm. a, a form I of fibrinogen involved. I was, replacement? I was actually the DA, but um, so mm. I sort of helped when she was a code blue cord. And, and um, yeah, she ended up getting two adult doses of, um, of cryoprecipitate, which is like, you know, the equivalent of the good old days of 20 whole blood units mm. of cryo. Yeah. Is that like uh, eight grams? Uh, yeah, probably yeah, about that. Yeah. Eight to ten grams probably if you were mm. using fibrinogen concentrate or something. It's mm. quite a lot. Mm. Well, we've talked for an awfully long time about stuff that isn't got anything to do with what we're going to talk about today. So the topic today, Graham, we, was, uh, we thought we'd go through an interesting paper that you found, mm. which is uh, of interest to people who work in the obstetric uh, realm. Do you want to, um, do you want to describe what it is? Well, I've always been interested in the... Uh, Woman trial, which is a trial examining the impact of tranexamic acid in uh, patients who have postpartum hemorrhage. Yeah, and so it was it was the the same people who did the crash two trial. Lots of people would have heard of that, didn't they? So mm. The one I think they had twenty thousand patients. They did, I yep. believe, in that one. And uh, the woman trial had twenty thousand patients uh, in twenty one countries. Yep. Most of them um, lower resource countries. So uh, some of the countries include Albania, um, <coughs> Nigeria, Papua New Guinea, Pakistan, um, Jamaica, yeah. for example. So I think I had uh, I just written out a few things here, which I got out of the paper. So you go. So uh, Africa, out of the twenty thousand, twelve thousand, or just over twelve thousand were in Africa. And I think you're right. Nigeria was the biggest um, centre for. Uh, Recruitment, but there was quite a few countries in Africa, and then Asia was six thousand, uh, and I think you know, Pakistan was a big recruitment mm-hmm. centre for there, and then but there were also uh, one thousand six hundred eighty-seven from the UK, I think, which was the sort of main developed country that contributed. Yes. Anyway, the um, paper that I found was one looking at the clinical and contextual factors surrounding the deaths of the patients who died who were recruited into that study yep uh all of whom occurred in uh, under-resourced or developing countries yeah so should we uh so to get into the study you had to be having a postpartum hemorrhage that's correct and they define that as um so you're already pretty sick yes yeah if you get recruited so 500 mils of blood loss post uh, after a vaginal delivery or a, or a litre after a caesarean delivery. Yeah. And or if you're hemodynamically unstable Stable. from bleeding, because yes. sometimes it's pretty hard to measure blood loss. Yeah. yeah. So they'd put that in context. So And so out of uh, 20,000, there were f- how many deaths? Four, nearly 500, 483 or nearly 500 people died. Mm. So that sounds like a lot. Mm. But you've got to remember that these are fairly sick cohort already. Mm. Because that was one of my... Um, questions about the woman trial was uh, 175 patients died, something around that yeah. number, which I seem, seems very high to me. And they do say that of the patients from Africa recruited into the trial, 3% of women died. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's what the numbers I've got here. So it's really 
it's quite a confronting statistic. It so is. there was 12,343 women recruited in Africa and 3% chance of dying if you were recruited into the women's study. Mm. Like that's massive. 375 women died. Yeah. And out of the the women recruited in Asia, there was 6,000 recruited. There was 105 died. It was and but it was about 1.7%. One one right. And there was 1,687 women recruited in the UK. How many died? Zero. Zero. Mm. I know. So that is like a, that is like probably for me anyway. Reading this paper, that is the biggest take-home thing that, that I know that, yeah, that you notice is that what's going on there. You know, there's obviously something massive going on there mm. to, exp- to 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 be causing this huge difference. Yes, and then there's quite an interesting. Um, well, it's an I- incredible resource that's provided by the authors of the article. Yeah. Uh, that provides some kind of narrative description of the circumstances leading up to the deaths of some of the women. And uh, it's got some, um, uh, you know, it's quite profound uh, what it demonstrates uh, in terms of resources available for those patients. Yeah. Um, I found it quite a moving um, Experience in reading it's, it's descriptions, wasn't it? Very reading, much so. Reading descriptions of things that, like, I I read down. Is that my phone? That's your phone. <laughs> I should we pause for a second? Oh. Yeah. Okay. In fact, in the um, in the narrative, <laughs> which is quite interesting, uh, the uh, uh, keep going. Yeah. The okay. narrative is yeah. talking. Yeah. So yeah. it talks about the, some of the cases. Cases, and then it says uh, that you know while uh, the. Re- the reason why the patients were recruited into the study was because of postpartum hemorrhage. Again, yep. uh, a third of the patients who died died of other causes. Yes, yes, yeah. Or or, or bleeding and something bleeding else contributing. and other um, contributory factors. <coughs> um, and I think it makes me reflect on not only the details of that study, but uh, on um, you know primary healthcare opportunities for the patients in the yep. regions. I did um, take the liberty of using Google Earth to have a look at some of these hospitals and where they're located. Yeah, yeah. And there can be in some massive urban regions. Yeah. Um, but you get a sense looking at the streets where the people live that the the living conditions are hard. Yeah, I think that would be fairly accurate. I think in um, just reading some of the uh, narratives as well. Mm. So <clears throat> one of the things that I uh, will probably sort of um, – you know, hone in on some of the themes in, in a second. But one of the things that struck me was like the descriptions of what was wrong with them. Like just read, like I don't know, our, our, our high dependency unit here. If we go down and um, there's a book, or, or there used to be a book which had all the women who got admitted there, and it was just like the Excel file which you can download. It just looked to me like it was a description of what we send to our HDU. Yes. Except, you know, uh, they hundreds of their women died, whereas none of ours die no uh, but they do but they do get very sick so it was just like it was quite emotional mm. realizing that these are probably by and large avoidable deaths yes yeah yes and so th- you know these themes of people delivering in the community without any tra- yeah. trained assistance for That's example right, yeah. or even attending uh, even though other they live, hospitals yeah without even though they live in an urban center yes with a with a big hospital mm. they just don't have access to somewhere safe to give birth yes and issues yeah. like grand multiparity uh, pre-existing um, anemia for example iron deficiency yeah. anemia 
yep. uh, contributing <clears throat> to their poor health before they got to hospital. Yeah, lots of poor health, uh, poorly controlled um, health or medical conditions. You know, yeah, th- probably lots of malaria in the, in the African patients. Enteric parasite infection, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, yep. lack of family planning opportunities. It's yeah, very so interesting. <clears throat> And then um, other things which are mentioned in the paper include uh, problems like delay in transportation. Yeah. There are a number of patients who had uh, intrauterine fetal death uh, for some time before presenting to hospital. Yeah, so we should read out, because I I have got a copy of the paper here and they do have some uh, narrative descriptions. So basically the narrative was written by the the, um, investigators just have to write a short sentence describing what happened and how they died. And then... uh, so here's one, I'll just read it out. Delivered in an outside facility, admitted to our site, postpartum. Reported to have sickle cell anemia, but this could not be f- confirmed before she died. Relatives were unable to pay or donate for further blood transfusion. So there's a few themes that we've already mm. mentioned there, like not being able to deliver in a hospital and then getting transferred and admitted late. And then pre-existing conditions, you know. Um, once again, sickle cell anemia, so this is probably a, a patient from Africa. And then we were going to talk about infrastructure and yes, access to blood products, weren't we? Yes. So, I mean, I forget from time to time that issues like human immunodeficiency virus <coughs> compromise the ability of um, transfusion. Yeah, that's in right. So, large blood, parts of the world, blood services and tran- uh, blood banks and transfusion services, in, in some parts of the world, are te- um, very restricted. Mm. And there's more than one for economic r- reasons, and yeah, and what you're saying the. Ec- existence of the fact that the huge amounts of the population are not really suitable to donate blood because mm. of all these infections they have. Yes. Yeah. And then more than one of the narratives do describe the fact that there's limited blood in the hospital for patients who would be otherwise given that yeah. treatment. Yep. Yeah, there's quite a few you can read out here. So the, the actual paper has a, um, a, f- a few in it, but then like we were saying, there's an uh, there's an Excel file that you can click on if you go to the the, um, the website where the p- paper's published and it has the narratives for all of them, doesn't it? Yes. It's like 483 narratives, mm. yeah. Mm. Um. <coughs> in terms of uh, in-hospital treatment include, um, or complications include um, blood transfusion reactions. Yes. Yep. Attributed to, as the core, as, as you know, um, partly contributing to the patient's um, death. Yep. Patient was an unbooked Gravitor 3 Para 2 bought by a traditional birth attendant from home with an antipartum hemorrhage and prolonged labour. Laparotomy revealed extensive uterine rupture and a large amount of internal bleeding. She died on the theatre table while her resuscitative efforts were still ongoing. So once again, yeah, describing some of those themes that were mentioned. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> and some of the other deaths, you, I think you mentioned like a third or 20 to 30% of them had other conditions which led to death as well, which included sepsis, HELP syndrome, hypertensive and eclamptic disorders and pulmonary edema, which is you know, a complication of preeclampsia and hypertension. Uh, Venous thromboembolism. Yeah. Yep. All right, so what are the, uh, what are the solutions? <laughs> Well, I guess this, oh, look, I, I, look guess I think identifying the problems gives you a place to start. Yep. And uh, I think <coughs> the woman trial still stands as an important um, piece of information for us. The tranexamic acid may be helpful. Yep. And isn't harmful. Yep. So I think yeah, that was the whole, obviously the whole point of the trial. But it's, I think it's it's really u- great that um, 
trials like this, which have so much other information in them just because they've collected so much data on such a large number of patients suffering from a certain condition that they've, like, you know, thought, how else can we use this data that we've collected in a mm. useful way? And, like, you know, identifying that, um, you know, all these things uh, probably need addressing if you want to improve the situation in some of these countries or in some of these geographical locations. Um, which are not easy to solve, though, are they? I no. mean, um, it's basically the whole infrastructure of, of healthcare uh, contributes to some of these problems. Mm. So it makes us feel, or it makes me feel grateful that we live in a country where we do have this available. I mean, incredibly humbling to yeah. to, to know what we have yep. and, and compare it to some of the descriptions yep. of what others have. Yeah. So obviously you just, you know, the... A stable government with a stable economic situation and the ability to build, you know, some infrastructure and train people. Uh, yeah, because basically it's just, you know, they just require trained people looking after you during delivery and maybe, you know, certain resources which, um, which are, you know, are inst- institutional level sort of requirements. You can't sort of fix like a blood bank and a blood service is something that a health service needs to run. It's not really something that like a a clinic or something can provide, is it? No, no. Mm. Yeah, all that requires money and, uh, you know, avoiding civil wars and <laughs> coup d'etats. And yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much of those things contribute to the circumstances in some of the countries. Yeah, but, uh, it's hard to know, isn't it? Hmm. And <clears throat> I mean, be, you know, it's ideal if you have a an educated population who have for the ability to optimise their health pre-natally um, or yeah, before they're pregnant, um, and then uh, have uh, access to basic health care throughout their pregnancy and uh, able to have safe circumstances for delivery and yep. postpartum care. Yep, that's good. Hmm. All right, um, so I think we might, we might finish up there. So we are, it has, has been a bit, um, hit and miss over January, February. People have had uh, time off and uh, we've been a bit slack. But the plan for the year is that we are going to try and do some more regular um, podcasts. I'm putting Graham on the spot, but I, I was hoping that we would do like um, some regular podcasts uh, based on maternal motility reports that um, are published around the world. And we'll just sort of, you know, that's arranged into different chapters. So that's sort of a nice little... Uh, um, we could yeah, choose a, a theme based on the chapter of, of each maternal mortality report and uh, try and do that uh, on a regular basis and then try and get a few guests in with some interesting takes on other interesting subjects ju- depending on who we can track down and who we can corner mm. I'd better do some work <laughs> well some actual clinical work or just I know. <laughs> preparation <laughs> nah it's, it's more entertaining when you don't I can't remember. Um, I used to be addicted to soap, but I'm clean now. (laughs) (laughs) Thought we'd better line it up a bit. All right. (laughs) You got any? You got any more, Graham? Uh, Probably. (coughs) Did you hear about the Italian chef that died? He passed away. That's pretty much shit one, actually. That's not too bad. (laughs) I think he swore. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Hopefully uh, Apple Podcasts won't detect that. I did say it sort of quietly. Yeah. All right, we better finish there. With an accent. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. See See ya. See you, mate. Thanks Thanks again. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Please go to the iTunes menu and subscribe to the show if you like it. Write a review. This will also help us uh, get seen by other listeners on the iTunes menu. If you're also interested, please go to our website at www.opsandguinecritcare.org where there will be lots of show notes and links to uh, interesting videos related to the topic that you've just listened to. See you again next time.